Round Guy Radio Sports is brought to you by these great sponsors. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna and Aaron's dealer. Wayland State Bank, over 90 years of being community-minded, just like you. Located in Wayland, Winfield, and Mount Pleasant. You need a reliable family car for you or your student. Buckwalder Motors in Wellman has your car. Hinshaw Trailer Sales in Richland, Iowa, for all of your stock, cargo, utility, flatbed, and horse trailer needs. Family-owned for over 40 years. We repair what we sell and don't in our full-time repair shop. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops in Burlington, Salem Stub, New London, West Point, Denmark, Houghton, Bonaparte, Milton, Fairfield, and Birmingham. And McDonald Boneyard and Auto Recycling in Kyoto for all of your farm machinery and auto recycling needs. We are talking Burlington Greyhounds football. Uh, we got uh, uh, Mason and Flaherty from KBUR who are the voice of the, the Burlington Greyhounds. Uh, it's good to have you guys back on the show. Thanks for having us on, wrong guy. No, uh, Mason, uh, let me ask you, the classifications are come out uh, and the new districts are all out. Are there any changes for the Burlington Greyhounds? Oh, yeah, I, everything changed. Um, you know, you, you look at our district this year and, and the only repeat team, well, there's two, North Scott and Clinton are back, but uh, Fort Madison, Mount Pleasant, and Keokuk have been replaced by uh, <clears throat> Clear Creek of Mana, Oskaloosa, and Cedar Rapids Xavier. So if you're a fan of World Cup soccer at all, you, you've heard the term, I'm sure, group of death. Um, you know, this was one of those sub-states that I, or uh, districts, I think that if you look around 4A, when you talk about Xavier and North Scott specifically, two of the top teams year in and year out in the state, but then you throw in Clear Creek and Mana, uh, this That'll is, uh, you know, and, and who's to say Oskaloosa and Clinton will be good to improve teams this year as well. So uh, it's it's going to be a tough district. I think it's uh, – uh, you know, in my own mind, there's a bit of a disservice done to schools like Burlington who are kind of caught in the middle of some of these uh, factors that go into determining classifications. Um, and it's sad in a, in a regional aspect that we no longer play, at least in district, uh, teams that are regional rivals like Keokuk and Mount Pleasant and Fort Madison. I would guess that those are at the top of uh, Coach Crackle's list, uh, at least in terms of getting it on Burlington's schedule. Um, but, of course, uh, as you know, that has to match up with what the other schools want as well. So we have no idea what the other four games are going to be. We just know that the five games that are in front of us uh, that were disclosed a couple of weeks ago are going to be pretty challenging. Well, Coach Flaherty, uh, what does a coach do, uh, you know, uh, when he first sits down and he sees there's a lot of changes? Uh, um, what's running through their mind, and, and how do you prepare for all these new teams? Well, the first thing they've got to do is they've got to take a look around uh, the, the part of their area and look for the teams that they want to have some non-district games with because they're going to have to get their rhythm going in the regular district play. So that's one of the first things they got to do. Outside of that, nothing really changes a whole lot for any coach. They're going to just continue to get their kids ready 
however they do it, whether it's encouraging them to play as many sports as they can, uh, off-season conditioning, whatever that is, they're, they're going to focus on that primarily outside of the fact of who is not in their district that they can play. And you want to make sure that you can get a good gate, that you don't have to travel very far, that you are definitely going to get a two-year commitment out of them, uh, and, and then kind of set up the rest of your season that way. The rest of it is just personnel, uh, you know, especially in, in Burlington's uh, window. They've got to replace an, uh, a, an offensive line that did a tremendous job for two years with Brian uh, Williams and then, of course, this last year with Caden Chisel. So uh, that's going to be uh, one of their biggest pro- projects that they're going to have to do. So. And every school is going to be like that in some way or another. Well, Mr. Mason, uh, have you talked to Coach Kreckle and find out what his preferences are on this uh, non-conference schedule? And do you know how many games that he does get to schedule uh, on the non-conference? Yeah, I haven't. I, you know, Jim and I talked very pat, very quickly about the, the district. I've actually spoken more with our athletic director, Jay Huff, um, and Jay has indicated that, yeah, of, of his non-district preferences, those three schools, Minneapolis, Mount Pleasant, Keokuk, and Fort Madison are at the top of that list. Um, you know, but beyond that, then Muscatine is thrown into a mix. Uh, Tumwa still would be a, a preferred opponent as a 5A school, but uh, a bit of a regional rivalry. Um, you know, but it, it all just comes down again to what the other schools are requesting as well. Um, outside of the Mount Pleasants, the Keokuks and the, and the Fort Madisons down here in Southeast Iowa, there aren't schools that are comparable in size. So in order for Burlington to get a non-district schedule beyond those parameters, it's going to take some travel. And you're talking at least an hour, uh, maybe 45 minutes if Muscatine has one. But after that, anything you do is going to be an hour away. And I'm sure in these eras uh, that we're in where districts are facing budget crunches, you want to keep those transportation costs down. You want to keep those time frames down where you keep kids in class as opposed to out of class. So there's a lot of variables that go into play here. Uh, I would be very surprised if Fort Madison doesn't end up on our schedule just because I think that's a that's a mutually beneficial uh, game for both communities, especially given how those two teams have played the last two years. Uh, Keokuk and Mount Pleasant, I don't have a real feel for. I just know I have uh, I have friends in Fort Madison who have thought that that game to end the season the last two years has been pretty special. Uh, of course, the game two years ago was decided in the last minute, and then last year it was decided in overtime. So, uh, you know, this is uh, it's a good rivalry that's been developed, and we'll see if they keep that going. Well, Coach Flaherty, uh, there's going to be a lot of road games or, or uh, a lot of new teams on the schedule. What do you think the, uh, if you could get uh, – Fort Madison, the Mount Pleasant, the Keokuk, the Fairfield, and the Tumwa uh, on on that preseason schedule. Uh, you think that would make the fans uh, uh, happy? Would that get some good gate? Would that would that? Uh, I know the non conference schedule really isn't kind of in a way don't amount to a hill of beans anyway. But uh, uh, does it get your team ready? Does it get the community behind you? Oh, I I think without question it it gives you an opportunity to kind of build excitement within your program. Uh, because if you're picking close teams, like we've just been talking about, 
you're going to have your gate built up. You're going to get your 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 fans from both sides of town to come out. And now in Mount Pleasant with the new coaching staff and um, Fort Madison having had success against us last year, I, I think that that builds the excitement for your players and your coaches as well as the community. So um, the the key will be how healthy can you stay and how successful are you outside of the scoreboard? I mean, ultimately, all of us know that you want to win the games, but the, the, the key is how well you perform and can you have uh, an attitude of winning and success, even if the scoreboard may not show it on that particular weekend. Well, Mason, let me ask you as a broadcaster, uh, uh, what what do you do in the off season to promote the team? You know, there's there's events like classifications come out. You got a little news there. You you may have a kid sign uh, uh, a college uh, 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 offer. You, you, you got a schedule that comes out. Mayor's off season camp. What do you how how does the the, the radio station cover the the, uh, the the team during the off season? I, honestly, not a ton. You know, it's a it's a you know KBR. Uh, unfortunately, as time has gone on, has experienced similar issues uh, as, say, the print media, where uh, a lot of lot of staffs have been cut down. Uh, I hate to say to the bare minimum, but the the number of play, for example, is is not what it once was, and nor do they have a full time sports director. So uh, even things like SEC basketball has had to fall in by the wayside, and the coverage of Burlington basketball as I grew up with 30, 35 years ago, Don Brandt was on every Tuesday and Friday night covering the Greyhounds. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty seasonal. Uh, and it'll, it'll start to be promoted uh, probably early August or so. But yeah, when you talk about kids signing and, uh, things like that, I mean, it creates a buzz around your campus. Um, as great as it would be to have the utmost coverage from any radio station, you know, the true success of a program and longevity that you can create is created from within, you know, are the kids excited? How many kids are coming to off season workouts? How many kids are going to attend the seven on seven league? That'll be during the summertime. You know, what kind of buzz will be created after you see the non-conference opponents and the schedule come out? You know, I don't think it gets real probably for the team, until they see that schedule and they start to count down toward August 26th or whatever that first Friday or last Friday, I should say in August. is. So, um, you know, as far as really thinking too far ahead, Burlington's not anymore in that uh, stratosphere where kids are just football players. So kids are right now focused on track and then they'll be focused on baseball and uh, things like that. Tennis is going on right now. So, uh, football, I think, comes along when football comes along, except for those kids who are involved in those summertime activities. Well, Coach Flaherty, uh, somewhere the 17th, 18th, 19th, or something of April, uh, schedule is going to come out. Now, walk me through what a coach does from the minute that schedule uh, sits on his desk, and then take me through the off season. You know, the camps, the workout programs, the the, 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 I think August 1st, you can start practicing as a team. I think there's either June or July, a little time where you can too. Uh, just walk me through that process. What's a coach do after he gets his schedule and, 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 and takes it to the opening day? Well, after he gets a look at his schedule, I know he's got to go to the transportation department and start scheduling 
uh, buses and cars to either go scout or to get their players to and from the competition. I know that was always the first thing we did because we did not want to be waiting outside of school and not have a bus come pick us up. So that's always first. In terms of off-season stuff, Scott hit it right out on the head. Uh, we have a lot more kids playing multiple sports. So I, I see a lot of our football coaches going to the events, encouraging their players who are football players who are playing other sports. And so I think that that's huge. I think that connection is really important. And I think that they really are trying to work with the other coaches in terms of football off-season conditioning while you're doing in-season conditioning for your sport. Uh, I, I think that you see the most successful teams, and I will pull out Cedar Rapids Xavier, and I will pull out North Scout, who I think is the epitome of how to keep your kids trained in season. And then Clear Creek Amana, which is taking a little bit of the page from North Scott in terms of keeping kids physically fit even during their season. So you'll have all that through the end of June. And then for those players who are not playing baseball, it'll be into seven on seven or it'll be into uh, just throwing and, and the individual skills and drills, as we like to call it, uh, offensive linemen working with their coaches, defensive linemen, so on and so forth. And then quarterbacks and receivers try to get that timing in during the summer so that when we they get in the fall, they are in sync with each other. Now, of course, with Coach Freckles' offense, that doesn't take more than 10, 15 minutes in the summer because he only throws about three or four times a game. So uh, what you'll see there is you'll just see a lot of work on the option game, and the mesh point is so important. So you'll see all those things going on, and then it will be the encouragement of trying to get to either an, uh, a set of individual camps. I think you can remember back in the day when kids used to go to a camp for three or four days. Any more colleges want to have a one-day exposure camp, kind of see if you're a fit for their program, and then it'll continue to have discussions with you, and vice versa. Kids want to see if they fit within the program and if that's where they want to end up. And then you'll see uh, – seven-on-seven seven tournaments and whether it's by school or by clubs because that is the rising uh, summer entertainment now for football players is that they'll join seven-on-seven seven clubs and have tournaments all around i know caden shizzle is a part of an iowa uh, iowa gators yeah squad which will i think will go to indiana indiana down to florida maybe even all the way out west of California, just so that they can kind of continue to get themselves exposure. Yeah, Come play. July, you start getting a little more serious, and then uh, August 1st, you're, you're into your preseason camp, uh, and then the 15 days or so that you can you can practice um, and to get acclimated to getting into pads, and, and then hopefully by uh, the 18th, 19th of August, you're ready uh, to play some live football against somebody else. Well, um, Mr. Mason there, uh, uh, who are some of the players, maybe go over some of the players we might be losing uh, uh, from last year, and uh, uh, who are some of the players we might be focused on uh, uh, watching next fall? Well, you know, I think John hit it on the head, and I'll let him talk a little bit about the offensive linemen as individuals, but I think the the main loss is going to be felt at fullback and the middle linebacker with Nolan Simpson, who, you know, we, we talked about it many, many times, played with an edge, uh, sometimes overstepped that edge and uh, would earn himself a, a flag, if not an outright ejection, uh, as happened a couple of times. But, uh, you know, a kid like that who was a three-year starter, 
um, is going to play at the next level. That That's tough leadership to replace, and that's tough football-mindedness to replace. But, uh, you know, there are skilled position guys coming back. John's talked about Caden Chisel already, the returning tailback. Gabe Robinson will be back at quarterback. And, and when you talk uh, Burlington football, that's really where it starts offensively or with those two positions. Uh, so you got a lot of production coming back from those two. Uh, your top two rushers from a year ago, I think Gabe was second on the team from the quarterback position. This team will also have to find a way to play well on the defensive side of the football because uh, conversely from their offensive line, they also lost a couple of defensive linemen as well. Uh, like I said, also your middle linebacker. So, uh, you know, it, a lot of the things with Burlington football now and in the past decade or so and moving forward is going to come down to how many kids come out, what kind of depth are you going to have, uh, you know, as good as Caden Shizzle is and as good as Gabe Robinson can be. Uh, Gabe got hit a couple of times last year and missed some time. So uh, what kind of depth do you have behind those guys that you're banking on so much to be able to give you that production that is coming back? Uh, and then what can that depth do to add to the returning production? Um, that's why, you know, like John said, there's four games going into districts are going to be so important. Uh, the one thing we don't talk about is we also hope that you get four opponents that you look at as winnable. Um, because one of the things you don't want to be going into district play is one and three, oh, and four, you know, two and two would, would likely be your worst case scenario as a coach to say, all right, we're 500 going into the meaty portion of our schedule. You want to find some games that, that are, are like talent wise, you know, we match up well, they match up well. The Fort Madison's, as we've talked about, the Keokuks, the Mount Pleasant's, you look at the other sideline and it doesn't look so daunting as it will when Xavier and North Scott come. I mean, that's just the, that's the beast is that you look across and they're going to have double the number of players Burlington does. You want to have those first four games not be like that. So that way you can see what you've got coming back, make, you know, try and come up with a, uh, a plan that's going to enhance what was done last year and then figure out a way to put those kids that are that depth behind them, give them the best opportunity to succeed. Well, Coach Flaherty, uh, what are you seeing uh, the players and, and maybe the key challenges for the Burlington Greyhounds uh, in this uh, fall season? What, what I mentioned earlier is you got to find a way to replace uh, your offensive and your defensive front. You know, we're talking about an offensive line that was led by a two-time All-Stater and Julian Perez-Hall. Uh, you've got uh, Caleb Zog you got to replace. You've got to replace uh, Gunner Short, uh, the right tackle. You do have some got solid guys that are coming back, and John Shulka and, and Caden Huff, I think they're, they're going to be solid. And, and Xavion Baker, uh, in my personal opinion, has made the biggest jump uh, as an offensive and defensive lineman, took a lot of snaps. So he'll be exciting to uh, come back. But the, the guy that I think outside of Nolan is Trent Huffman. He was a guy that was kind of in the shadows for a long time. But as the year went on last year, he made some tremendous strides in terms of uh, his offensive and defensive play. He was a guy that you had to have all the time. Now, um, we're going to miss Alex Fawcett as a, as a defensive back as well as a tight end. Um, and so those guys are, to me, are key losses. But 
You've got some guys coming up in uh, John Phillips, I think, did a nice job. Demetri Donald, I think, did a wonderful job uh, as a running back and a defensive back uh, last year. And I, I think you'll see a lot more out of him. Um, I think you're going to look at a, a Caleb's brother, Micah, who played really solid as a JV player. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be in the mix. And I think you're going to need to see uh, Gabe throw the ball a little bit more. And uh, I, I think it's got to take some pressure both off the offensive line as well as Caden. Uh, because you're going to be young up front, you got to come out, to, at least in my opinion, with a lot of play action stuff uh, in order to give your guys a chance to readjust and to set their feet to give Gabe protection. So um, I think if they can get that rolling early, I think you could see a, another year of pretty explosive Greyhound football. Well, uh, Mason, we uh, at Round Guy Radio uh, uh, always see almost unlimited growth in Burlington. Uh, it is clearly our, our well, it's number one, uh, uh, and all the areas around that are also uh, uh, big listeners. Uh, uh, what else is going on in spring sports? And maybe talk about some of the athletes on the football team that are maybe playing some stuff. Uh, uh, what else is going on in the sports there in Burlington? Well, I know uh, the track season just got underway. And, and one of the things we talked about earlier, too, is about coaches supporting uh, other sports. You, you've got a head boys track coach and Jordan Webb and a head girls track coach and Josh Osborne. Both those guys are on the football staff. So they remain connected and involved with their kids. Tennis is going on. Uh, spring, uh, I should say girls and boys, as well as girls golf is going on. Uh, baseball workouts have started. Softball workouts have started. Um, you know, a lot of stuff going on right now. There, there's no doubt. Um, and it, I would be doing a disservice if I tried to tell you who, who the crossover athletes are. I just know there's a ton of them because we don't, we don't have enough kids right now that, that can make up just a basketball team or just a football team or just a baseball team. A lot of multi-sport athletes, which, uh, you know, I, for one, am very much in favor of. The more rounded you can be, uh, the, the, the better athlete overall you're going to be. Uh, I've long said if you can play baseball, you can pretty much play anything, and I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of jaded that way because I am a baseball coach at heart. But, uh, uh, you know, a lot of kids who play baseball this summer will also go on to be a part of the football team. So, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. We've got a pretty pretty solid track team. Uh, the tennis team started off pretty well. I know golf, girls' golf numbers are a bit down, but I know Coach Briggs, Marianne Briggs, her daughter is – uh, her top golfer right now, which makes sense because Marianne is a great golfer in her own right. So, uh, you know, it's exciting to be a Greyhound right now. Basketball had a great season, a lot of momentum built off of that. Boys, boys basketball, uh, girls basketball showed a lot of improvement. I know the swim programs have improved. And so uh, athletics at Burlington is getting better. Uh, again, a lot of excitement surrounding it, but uh, we also know that a lot of us look forward to the fall and when football rolls around. So, uh, you know, me as a play-by-play guy and truly a football fan at heart above all else, I'm just counting down the days until August. I'll be ready to go come August 20-whatever that day is. You remind me of Roger uh, Hornsby. Do you know what he said? Uh, uh, he was. Uh, uh, he said that he would just, in the wintertime, so what do you do in the wintertime? He says, I stare out the window and wait for spring. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, 
so I'm a, I'm a baseball coach. I mean, that's that's what I know best. I can't coach X's and O's. I can talk about them. I cannot draw up a play coming out of a 30-second timeout in basketball. Um, but I am, as a fan, just a, a hugely, hugely – uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. Aggressive football fan. I just, I seriously, I can't, I look at baseball anymore and I'm a Cardinal fan. So I've had a lot of success to follow, but baseball anymore is a bridge until the football season. So uh, I just count down the days until the days get a little bit shorter and the days get a little bit cooler and those Friday night lights pop on. Well, coach Flaherty, I guess we'll just, uh, we're getting down to the last question here. Uh, uh, I talked to a lot of coaches about, off-season stuff, and one of the things they universally kind of say is they like it when their their players are in other sports. They say that keeps their competitive edge, kind of keeps them in shape, uh, uh, kind of keeps them out of trouble. Uh, uh, what what are the positives as a football coach to watch your kids play basketball, baseball, shoot golf, all that stuff? Well, you get to see them develop their athletic IQ, and I think you know we all know what that means is that there has to there will be less coaching in certain situations because they'll just have played and competed enough to know what to do instead of what you see at some situations where guys only play one sport, they're kind of have to be directed because they've never had to compete anywhere else. It's always been skills and drills and, and being put in situations. So there's the first thing Two, you use muscles in one sport that you don't normally use in another sport. Uh, and, you know, to me, that the hand-eye coordination of baseball or golf plays out in so many other situations in so many other sports uh, it, that that you just can't get if you're just practicing. You have to be in the midst of competition. But uh, the ability also to learn your role as an athlete, especially a high school athlete, uh, I, I really feel like we're in the demise of sports because so many kids are thought, well, if I'm really good in one sport, then I'm not going to be in another sport because I might not be so good. Therefore, I don't want to sit on the bench. And maybe my mom and dad don't want me to sit on the bench and participate in that. So we'll just go ahead and, and put money into training. And so uh, I, my dad was really good at teaching me, you know, you may not be good for the sport, but the sport's good for you. And you learn some humbleness within that. You learn how to be a teammate. Um, and then thirdly, you learn how to be a, a good time manager because you don't have a lot of extra time. And so schoolwork's got to get done. Chores may have to get done. Um, you, you know, other things have to get done in terms of whatever's requested or required of you because you belong to a club. Uh, you just have to learn how to do those things. Whereas if you're not involved in any other sport, you just, you just kind of lay around. And then it, it just takes so long to get the rust off. But being involved, and I think Scott and I talk about this a lot, you know, when we were in high school, it seemed like every kid every week was at a, a sporting event or some event supporting somebody else. I don't see that as much today going, across, going on across, across all the high schools, not just here in this area, but across all, because we're so involved in our own stuff. And so to me, that's the beauty of, of being well-rounded and being involved in so many different things during your high school years. And I will say this round guy, just to piggyback on that, there's a, I don't know if you follow uh, Burlington Bees baseball much, but anytime we talk about roll rounded athletes, it reminds me of a former manager for the Bees, Jim Gabella, 
who back when I had my own radio show, shoot, that was 20 years ago now, um, would come on every Friday and we talk and coach, uh, coach Cabell and I got very close and he's now a scout for the giants and he lives in Florida and that's where he's based. But I, I set that all up to tell you that every so often, if you're friends with him on Facebook, you will see Jim Gabella, who is a major league scout post pictures of players who are successful in the various professional leagues, whether it's major league baseball, the NFL, the NBA. And what he does is he says, John Flaherty was a three sport athlete in high school. And he lists what those sports are. So it goes to show you that even at the upper, at the highest levels of any sport, the value of being a multi-sport athlete is so incredibly important. Um, And I think because of all those reasons, John said, whether it's competitive fire, whether it's developing different muscle groups, whether it's just staying sharp and having to manage your time, whatever the reasons are, you know, playing basketball helps you in baseball, helps you play football, helps you play basketball. You know, it's all cyclical and it just, it just helps. Uh, I don't know that anybody can put a finger on exactly why, but I haven't met a multi-sport athlete who wasn't successful in at least one, if not all of those sports. So uh, it's very important. That's for sure. Well, uh, you may be talking to what some people consider the world's more foremost authority on the Burlington Bees. Uh, that would be myself. Uh, and if you could, I remember Jim Cabela. And if you get him to come on this program, uh, uh, that will be a plus. Well, I am going to end this. Uh, Is that a challenge? Are you challenging me to try and contact Jim Cabela and get him to come on Round Guy Radio? I, uh, uh, I'll go any route I can on that. Uh, if you Challenge want to, accepted. Well, that sounds good. Well, I'm going <laughs> to let, let, end this uh, as we only have less than a minute left here uh, with a story about Mickey Mantle's uh, football career. Did you know Mickey Mantle only scored uh, uh, four, six touchdowns in his career in uh, football? Had no idea. Yeah, it was only one game. Uh, uh, his dad heard uh, on the radio, he was at work, and he heard that he was uh, playing in a game. And uh, he left work after his lunch break. And then on the sixth touchdown, Mickey's dad was standing in the end zone. And he grabbed him by the face mask and drugged him off the field and never played again. Oh, interesting. All right. Six touchdowns and took him home. That That's was it. Uh, he didn't want him getting hurt playing football and miss out on his on his uh, baseball career. He might have been right on that one. Oh. Yeah, he made he made he may have made a pretty good decision where that's concerned. All right. Well, we have enjoyed talking to Burlington Greyhounds, and we always love to talk uh, Burlington anything. Thanks for being with us, guy. Hey, you bet. Thanks, round guy. Thanks, round guy. Give us a call when schedules come out, and I'll get Coach Crackle. Okay. Round Guy Radio Sports has been brought to you by these great sponsors. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna and Aaron's dealer. Wayland State Bank, over 90 years of being community-minded just like you. Located in Wayland, Winfield, and Mount Pleasant. You need a reliable family car for you or your student. Buckwalder Motors in Wellman has your car. Hinshaw Trailer Sales in Richland, Iowa. For all of your stock, cargo, utility, flatbed, and horse trailer needs. Family owned for over 40 years. We repair what we sell and don't in our full-time repair shop. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops in Burlington, Salem Stub, New London, West Point, Denmark, Houghton, Bonaparte, Milton, Fairfield, and Birmingham. 
and McDonald Boneyard and Auto Recycling in Kyoto for all of your farm machinery and auto recycling needs.